0: good afternoon or good evening listeners and welcome back to mbm's MA snack and chat podcast i'm brian shaw partner in the mbm's london office and i'm joined as always by my co-host caroline urban hi caroline
1: hi brian hi everyone
0: on with the show and without further ado as i said previously it is snack and chat so caroline what are you snacking on today
1: Well, I was very proud to attend the launch of the Lower Saxony regional UK office in London yesterday. So we welcomed lots of new Germans to the UK. And so I thought it would be super suitable to have a a pudding that is typical for Lower Saxony. And I'm eating a wealth pudding.
0: What's in a wealth pudding?
1: A wealth pudding. It's basically a lot of cream in between two sort of spongy layers
0: hmm calorific
1: yeah go on i bet you're on another diet no no diet today no
0: no well in 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 honor of our our australian friend that's joining us um i'm having an old treat uh, from the homeland it's called a violet crumble it's a honeycomb bar covered in chocolate but much nicer than a crunchy Mm. i've got to
2: come in here i know i haven't (laughs) been introduced yet my name's (laughs) sasha mcdonald uh, and i'm just on that snack they are fabulous, the Violet Crumble, and I miss them terribly. And my mother does send a um, we miss you, come home and eat more of this stuff pack. And, uh, and part of that uh, pack is uh, there's a significant number of Violet Crumbles, but they're very messy. So all I can say is I'm glad this is not being videoed
0: while you eat this <laughs> thing because they go everywhere. <laughs> they are delicious. And um, so excuse me in the background while I munch. So, anyway, on with today's show, um, as as, Sasha, as we've already been introduced, um, we're joined by Sasha McDonald. Sasha has had many and varied roles in his career, predominantly working in IT, from working at, at a big four accountancy firm, a large telecommunications company, and then to founding his own company. So, Sasha's company is, uh, was Testing Performance, um, which is an IT quality assurance service provider, it was founded in 2006, and we were lucky enough. Uh, at nbm to help sasha and his fellow shareholders exit from that company in 2021 so sasha formally welcome to the show
2: oh thank you so much uh and hello everyone really uh, it's a real thrill to be on my first podcast actually and uh, a pleasure to uh, uh talk with you guys again we had such fun together over the last year so thanks for inviting me on and uh, hopefully uh I can offer some points of interest for people
1: Definitely, but the the first very important point of interest needs to be what your snack is.
2: I've been eating too many full English breakfasts recently, so I've decided to go on a carbonated no sugar uh, with ginger flavour soft drink with sweeteners called a fiery ginger beer offered by Sainsbury's. And uh, I've got two of them because I get thirsty and I'm very hungry. And so my snack is completely liquid today.
1: Well, whilst you are hydrating and the rest of us are scoffing our snacks, why don't we kick off and give a bit of context and background to our listeners? So Sasha, tell us a bit about the Sasha McDonald story. Where did it begin and how did you end up where you are today?
2: Yes, I've been thinking about that. It's a, it's hard to summarize, so I'm going to give it a good shot. I started off as, a, as an actor, actually, in Australia um, and traveled uh, in my early 20s. Um, Travelled to Korea, became an English teacher, met the person who became my wife, um, who we're still together um, some 20 years later. And uh, anyway, I ended up landing in, uh, in England on a one-way ticket, um, not knowing what the hell to do. There wasn't much calling for an English teacher in England. So I retrained myself in, into IT. I started studying programming and I was fortunate enough to gain a job uh, in a consultancy called uh, Imago QA. Um, and from there, I specialised into test automation and performance testing. Within a few years of, of that, I established a company with uh, a couple of other founders, Derek Poole and Ray Andrews and Peter Berry. We offered a company that specialised in performance testing, and that's how it all began. We incorporated in 2006 a small consultancy called Testing Performance. Our first client was British Energy. It was, a, it was a real career change for me in my mid-20s, but I found myself and I found something I was really passionate about. Um, and I was working with older, um, highly experienced people, Ray and Derek in particular. Um, and I really uh, learned an enormous amount with those guys. And we we worked very well as a team. And it was that team interplay that enabled us to sort of build a, a, a reasonably successful consultancy.
0: As I think I mentioned in the intro, you, you were at a, some larger companies, and, and then decided mm-hmm. to to start your own.
2: That's that's right. Yeah. So as uh, well, as actually the the large companies that you referenced, um, uh, EY, for example, I, be, uh, I pitched to EY the concept of restructuring their test automation and performance testing, um, and was fortunate enough to win, uh, you know, a recurring uh, revenue helpful uh, contract. And part of that uh, deal was that I would take the global head of uh, performance testing at EY um, with oversight on, um, uh, you know, I think it was about uh, 30,000 applications at the time. So it was through the consultancy that I was able to right. land land these roles and also explore other aspects that probably you, you don't uh, necessarily have exposure to just being a permanent employee or a contractor, like selling, pitching, structuring, recruiting, building a company whilst through a contract and making sure the client is always really satisfied and very happy. It was it was an amazing sort of experience that really mm-hmm. gave me a, a, an enormous sort of technical and um,
0: and also management experience growth. And I'm interested, you exited in 2021. In these days, it's a long period from founding the company in 2006 to exit 15 years later. Was there anywhere along that journey? When did, it, did you start to think, well, actually, yeah, I, I think... Now's the time to exit. We had been approached by, um, I think we
2: had three different acquisition offers over the 15 years. What we found was really difficult with them was we were were so busy. We're a very specialised, small niche consultancy, and it was very difficult to step back and be able to manage the engagement with a potential acquirer which we did but it it caused so it can cause disruption on a you know a mid-sized business where you're delivering services and so you're going through that a few times it co- also costs quite a lot of money and there's no guarantee that you know the deal will come off so you you have to engage with these opportunities but at the same time you know we learned to be very mindful and efficient about how to go about those engagements so how i ended up coming in and with yourself was I I'd um, periodically left Testing Performance to set up my own startups. Testing Performance, was, I was fortunate because it was generating enough revenue where I could do that. So I set up crazy wow. startups like Home Hunter under the guise of Riley Best, who you know, was a, a serial entrepreneur and the mid-90s, and uh, also a product called Cloudload, which was very much in my specialty. I'd sort of go in and out. I'd build these startups. I'd take them as far as they could go, and, and then I'd go back into my primary income generator, which was testing performance. Uh, so I stepped out of TP about six years ago. It was all very amicable, and the, the company had started to really uh, accelerate, and I could see that there was a really good position, potentially, for the company to, to be acquired. Over that period, I'd stepped out and helped scale um, a uh, artificial intelligence uh, machine learning data science business from about 10 million to about 2 billion. And it was, uh, so I had the opportunity where I could release myself a little bit and come and look at this startup that I founded all those years ago, where my wife worked in it still and the founders of Dear Friends. And they were flat out, essentially what I did was offer them the opportunity to take on a chairman i.e. me, with the view to look around for potential opportunities, whether they be clients or acquisitions or companies that perhaps uh, testing performance could acquire. And that's how I ended up in the position of meeting you guys. We found a really great likely buyer, which was Formatics.
1: How did you meet them? Who approached who? What were the sort of early conversations you had with them?
2: Well, it really came down to my wonderful wife, Jo Fernandez, who... Came from a, a recruitment background, very, very good communicator, and had been working, managing multiple programs of work in test performance. And so I, I, I pitched this idea that, you know, I could come in and assist. And she said, oh, well, one of my really uh, good friends, Jane Such, is a company that has just been acquired by uh, this really interesting company called Formatics. And so that's where I started. I reached out to Formatics, and so did Joe via Jane. And I could see that Fematics was taking on a, a, it seemed to be a, a, a business model of acquisition to help support their growth. And the acquisitions that they were undertaking were very much sort of in the sort of space of quality assurance. Some of the companies that they acquired certainly were. And so I felt that we could, it was a good opportunity to sort of reach out. And uh, so I did. I, I, I reached out to Tim Howarth, who's the CEO of Formatics. And Paul James, who is part of the investment team and on the board. And we went from there. And it was really, really, really fantastic experience, actually. What I'd learned from the previous acquisitions was that things can be very generalized and very, you know, there's not a clear in-principle deal that we had on those previous offers. And that was, I think, one of the reasons why we we didn't go through with them or they didn't happen. But with Tim Houth and Paul James, in one meeting, we were able to discuss in principle this opportunity and agree as a starting point that both parties uh, felt that it was a good idea to explore. So that was the initial kickoff for it. And that approach of an in-principle agreement was what actually enabled the whole end-to-end uh, M&A to occur. I wasn't a permanent person or salaried or anything like that for testing performance. I was an honorary non-exec chair. So I was was having to relay. So in that position, I'm having to um, relay information back to the founders and take that responsibility of getting an in-principle deal agreed and then relaying that to the founders and getting their concerns. But my whole approach uh, that certainly Brian really helped encourage was to keep that efficiency going where I'm, uh, I, I'm representing the interest for testing performance, both from the in principle structure of the deal with the CEO and the investors from uh, formatics And that really, really, really helps speed up the whole
0: process. That's a, that's a really good point in terms of where there are multiple sellers. It's always good to have that one voice. Yeah. You know, it all gets channeled. Otherwise it's yeah, as you said, it's a very inefficient process everyone has their own ideas. Whereas, you know, once, if you're talking to advisors, they just need clear instructions and one person to talk to. And and, and that really did make a difference, I do believe, to get this over the line as quickly as we did. That was something that was quite new to me as well, Brian.
2: And um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I I worked out with the the founders of Testing Performance was, I won't agree anything in principle um, or legally uh, with anything um, until we have uh, a board meeting and agree those, and that could, you know, with a company outside, it was very informal um, and quite quick turnover. And so that that was like a funneling of communication. And, you know, as you pointed out, it, it, you know, it was something I discovered through this process that that was really helpful. The the other thing I found part of the deal that really offered the sort of the principle of end-to-end engagement was the concept of, in the informal it, without prejudice meetings with Tim and Paul, it was very much uh, agreeing a structure of how we go about going through the MA opportunity. So, and this is something that MBM really helped with. I felt we formulated it together, but it was something, the structure was implemented and uh, driven by very much your, you know, yourself and your team, Brian. One of the problems with a mid-sized business that I relayed is that when you're offered the opportunity to be acquired, it costs a lot of money. The time scales of concluding a deal, whether it's going to happen or not, uh, can be undefined. The legal costs can be quite substantial. For a mid-sized business, the legal cost generally uh, you know, is quite a quite a bit of investment in something you're unclear whether you're going to get a return on. The approach that we formulated together Uh, which really worked very well, was we agreed in principle with myself, Tim and Paul uh, that that they would commit to pay for the legals up to the heads of terms. So you can get to that quite quickly without a huge expense. And then the the acquiring party is actually offering a commitment to that point. The the second part of the process, which we relayed before we agreed to that in principle, Thing between uh, FIMATEX and TP was the heads of terms would then qualify the likely cost to undertake the various due diligence and, you know, all the aspects that you go, legal aspects that you need to go through to, you know, to go to drive forward to completion. And it was at the heads of terms that we offer the option that from that sort of understanding of the likely cost to go forward after the heads of terms it was up then up to the acquiring party to agree to cover those costs to an ex, to, a, you know, to a certain threshold. Those sort of two approaches, confirming in principle from a conversation, the heads of terms, which is driven by the in principle agreed discussion without prejudice that we originally had to the heads of terms, the coverage of the cost to get there, and then a checkpoint, a gateway for both parties then to agree on the process to go through the 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 next steps that was a revelation it would just made things it expedited everything and sped up everything from both sides it's certainly gave a sense from both parties that this will drive will be you know that it's going to work efficiently at speed and there are gateways to get out if a party is not into the deal for whatever reason or go forward that was an incredible learning experience
1: it also hugely reflects on the good relationship that you had with your co-founders and the huge amount of trust that you had in each other to sort of push this forward and everyone have the, has the same interests aligned. In that process, at what point did you choose professional advisors and how did you source the people you needed? When did, did you start thinking, okay, now it's starting. now we need to start getting some professionals to give us advice on this process?
2: I had raised money before for one of my startups uh, called cloud load and going through that process. I, uh, I came across Michael Arno from NBM um, commercial. It was mm-hmm. so fantastic. I was on my own. i raised, I built a product, raised the money, you know, pitching all over the place, had customers EE um, we we're using my products to test their um, web services across Europe and KPMG white labeling. And I had a really good thing and I had, but it was just me on my own. And I, um, The experience I had uh, with very little legal experience or background, um, and the whole end-to-end process of going through that with um, a legal with MBM and Michael was it was so interesting and so helpful. Without that, I wouldn't have raised the funding. So that's why you know some years later, I think it was about six years later, I I came back to MBM because that was you know a, a proven experience that was of value and and was very reasonable um, in terms of what the costs were going to be to the business uh, to answer the question when did i seek advice well it was when we in the uh, with the, with the uh the initial the in principle without prejudice conversation uh, i think it was the third In uh, conversation that I had with Tim and Paul, which was, uh, we will agree to go ahead, you will pay for the heads of terms. We have the heads of terms, in principle, agreed in our conversation. Um, Let's let's go forward. It was in that third conversation where we all agreed, yes, that's when I reached out. It was time to get the deal structured formally um, and get advice on how to take this end to end.
0: And I think that's important in terms of timing. It's, it's always good. We always advise just before term sheet or heads of terms are signed, that's when you should reach out to to some, especially lawyers. Because once the, the heads of term is signed, it's quite difficult to unwind it and to renegotiate the deal because, yes, the heads of terms are non-binding, but it's not a good look for the deal work. So, no, I think you, I think you reached out at the optimal time. Tell us more about any other challenges that
2: you found in the deal. What, one of the challenges was... Which I found fantastic was it was such a great learning opportunity was understanding which you gave me, Brian, and your team, was understanding that even though really in the scheme of things our MA was very small, we still go through the you still go through the same process as you do for a larger entity going through the same process. And so for me that was so exciting because it's about it's it it's not just about understanding these these you know, you know the process for a you know small mid SME. You, you're also understanding the principle of how MAs work for very, very large companies as well. And go, going through the end to end legals with, with that, and you pointing out where we don't go down this aspect of it, we're doing a slimline version of it because you're smaller, but this is what would happen on a larger MA. For me personally, it was a very important um, and uh, you know really, really helpful personal growth uh, exposure.
1: Uh, Sasha, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure to have you and and hear your wisdom and also your experience. Before we end the podcast, we have a little bit more time to do our rapid fire round. Sasha, you will have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can in that time. Sasha, in one word or phrase only. On your mark, get set. Where in Australia did you grow up?
2: Drake in Australia, but between Tenterfield and Casino, then Armidale on the New England Tablelands for my high school, then Sydney for my university. Favourite food? Vegemite.
1: <laughs> if you were having a dinner party serving Vegemite and you could invite three guests, mm. alive, dead or fictional, who would you invite and why?
2: I'd invite Bark because he could provide the entertainment. I'd invite um, Pablo Picasso. Because my house needs painting and he can give some ideas. And uh, Veggie would be quite new for him. It's a love-hate thing. So I could end up with black walls with orange spots, not sure. <laughs> mm. um, and Alan Turing. Mm. He, he might be quite quiet, but I think he's just an incredible person. It'd be an interesting dinner party, I think. Yes. That's
1: for sure.
2: Apple or Android? Apple.
1: Final question. If you were down to your last $10, where would you invest it?
2: I'd go down to the local bookies and <laughs> I'd choose a horse uh, where, without looking at the odds, where the name made me laugh.
1: <laughs> we haven't had that before. No. <laughs> um, Sasha, thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you so much, guys. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining us in our chat with Sasha McDonald. Join us next time when Carolyn and I will be joined by another special guest where we will chat and snack all things MA. and a Goodbye, all. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks, guys.